Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we are very excited to be with you for this first week of Advent and we have a special guest on the podcast for this first week of Advent who is very excited to be there, the Reverend Mary Lynn Colson. How are you doing, Mary Lynn? I'm excited to be here. Thank you yeah. for having me. You're welcome. Excellent. Well, part of our podcast process is that we like to ask our guests to tell us the answer to two questions. The mm-hmm. first of which is, what is your ministry context? Can you tell us a little bit about where you are when you are not here? Such a great question. So my... The last three months, I've been serving as the rector at St. Andrews by the Sea in Pacific Beach in San Diego. And St. Andrews is, um, yesterday actually, we celebrated St. Andrews Day, the feast day of our patron saint. And it's cool because I grew up in a church called St. Andrews in Kansas City. And so um, Andrew, you know, this, this disciple, the first called disciple, is sort of this patron saint who's been following me around in my life. And St. Andrews in Pacific Beach is this beautiful um, church that's been um, in the community for 90 years and has, um, I really think, like service at its core. Um, The biggest, one really huge ministry we have is every Tuesday night we cook a meal for anyone in the community to come, and we usually serve, you know, 70 to 100 people every week um, and, you know, have a safe space for people to come. Um, there's a lot of people who make the streets their home in Pacific Beach. So um, that's just an incredible ministry run totally by parishioners and also community members. So it's not just um, St. Andrew's parishioners who are doing the service, but people who are just neighbors and um, you know people from other churches and other faith communities come and make that happen every week, and it's amazing. Um, and we have a big, beautiful preschool and I get to do chapel twice a week with the preschoolers and ask them what they want to pray about. And it's amazing. And we have a really, I think, beautifully diverse um, parish family. Lots of yeah, families with young children. And it's just a, a place with a lot of really, um, a lot of energy for learning and growing, I think. And I'm just still getting to know them and they're still getting to know me. And it's my first time serving as a rector at, at a church, so it's a big, you know, leap for me and a big leap for them mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, a big time of growth for all of us. Yeah. And I think that your talk about vibrancy and all of the different programs that you just offered leads nicely into our second question for you, which can you tell us about a place that you saw God this week in someone else or in your parish or an opportunity where you interacted with God? Yes. So this past Sunday, as we celebrated the feast day of St. Andrew, we also asked people to bring in their pledges for 2020. So the amount of money that they're planning to give to the parish next year so that we can prepare a budget. And um, as I was mentioning, it's my first time being a rector, and there's a lot of pieces of ministry that are really new to me in this job. Um, like a lot of administrative work and budgeting and, you know, fundraising essentially and um, <coughs> community building. And so um, that's sort of the piece of my job that I was most nervous about going in that I had like the least experience in, you know, like preaching, teaching, 
ministry with kids, great. I feel like I, you know, have skills in that. But this whole area of like essentially community development is new to me. And um, so um, yesterday we had our in-gathering Sunday and already have raised significantly more than we had planned on raising for 2020. And as soon as we found this out after the service yesterday, there was just uh, was meeting with our vestry, which is our sort of board of the of the church, our elected leadership. Um, just such a sense of abundance and like lightness and um, energy in the room, and just I was just overcome with a sense of gratitude. And I think really, you know, because I think you know maybe it's silly to cheesy to talk about like the stewardship as this place of seeing God. But I think money is like this area in our lives that we so rarely talk about. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really countercultural in our world right now to pledge, I'm going to give my money to this church, you know? Um, I know for like people in my generation, millennials, like it's not a given that we're going to be pledgers of a church. And so the church is sort of in this place right now trying to figure out like, how are we going to be financially sustainable going forward, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of questions there, but it just was this this sense from God yesterday from the Holy Spirit that, like, people are, like, believing in what we're doing at St. Andrews and what's been happening there way before I got there, you know? Um, people are, like, wanting to join, like, exuberantly and, like, more than we could even imagine. And it made me think of this last line in morning prayer that says, um, you know, to God who can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, you know? Um, and I just love, it was like a moment of really literally like God providing more than we could uh, have asked more than we did ask or more than we could have imagined. Absolutely. All right. So we're so excited that Mary Lynn's here. Um, and we are also extremely excited that it is no longer ordinary time. Woo! Yay. Yeah. Very exciting. And that means that it is the first week of Advent. Advent being the four uh, Sundays and then the few days, depending on which day, which day December 25th is on, leading up to Christmas. So um, we're each going to give a point from the gospel this Sunday, the, the gospel for Advent 1. And before we get into that, I just want to let you all know that we want to hear from you. We want uh, your questions, your comments, your stories from your week of faith discussion. You can send those all to us uh, via email, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website where you can also find all this week's faith to go resources, myfaithtogo.org. And you can also direct message us on Instagram at faithtogo, where we encourage you to follow us and like the things that we put up and, <laughs> you know, dislike them. If you want, just leave a comment. Whatever you want to do with the with the Instagram, you go ahead and do that. Um, so we're going to get into the gospel for this week. Uh, Charlotte is going to read the gospel for this week, and then we are each going to highlight a point. This week's gospel is from Matthew 24, verses 36 to 44. Jesus said to the disciples, But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of man, the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. 
Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owners of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. All right, so I think the one thing to say just about this, the context for this specific gospel is that we, just to locate it, because we're kind of jumping right into the middle of the gospel, different from ordinary time where we're kind of going slowly through the gospel of Luke. Jesus is in Jerusalem here. This is in the 24th chapter of Matthew. So Jesus is kind of having this this kind of final dialogue with his disciples, talking about what is about to happen and what they can expect to happen because the Son of Man is going to be crucified. This is the hope for the future of what that actually means, you know, moving forward. Um, so Jesus is here in Jerusalem. This whole section is all, all kind of tying together these apocalyptic end times kind of ideas. And, um, and so Matthew is leaning into this expectancy but unknown expectation of when things will happen, what the end times will be like, what is coming, what is not coming, what, they, what the disciples can expect. Uh, and so that's kind of the milieu in which, within which this Jesus is saying these things. So I think Mary Lynn has the first point for this week. Okay, what I want to talk about is, is about this passage, but also sort of more about Advent in general. Um, and as a way to kind of think about Advent as we enter into this first week of Advent. So um, for these four weeks leading up to Christmas, um, and I think there's this way, for me, there's a way of thinking about Advent in this threefold way that's really useful. Um, and the three, um, the way to think about it is that um, Advent is about the, th- the threefold coming of Christ into the world. And first, the coming of Christ into the world at Christmas Um, you know, the Son of God being born of a human woman as a baby and what that means, um, you know, that that God, God's self was born homeless and poor and a refugee and helpless and all these different pieces about what that says about God, that God chose to be incarnate in the world in that way. And that's the first piece. And then the second piece, I think, is an opportunity and um, an encouragement to reflect on ways like where Christ is coming into the world now in our lives, in my life. And that gets me back to kind of the question you guys asked me at the beginning of this podcast of where have you seen God working in your life? Um, You know, Christmas, this story of the incarnation of God being born as a baby is this like inbreaking of God in the world in this new way, in this radical particular and fleshed way and that you know the opportunity we have is to see to open our eyes to be seeing that all around like all the times in my day when Christ is breaking into the world and breaking into my life um and all those um that I think prevent presents so many opportunities um for conversation with your family and with your friends about you know where is God in your life today where have you seen Christ in your life today um, so that's sort of the, the second fold is encountering where is God invading my life now? And then the third fold is really where this text gets, which is 
um, the second coming, quote unquote, that we talk about, like when Christ is coming again, which we talk about in the creed when we say the creed every week. Um, we believe that Christ will come again, come to judge the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and this sort of often in our culture, scary, you know, day when there'll be like trumpets and four horsemen of the apocalypse and it'll be like the sun will be on fire and all this stuff that doesn't sound very fun. Um, but that, that, so what does it mean that that's a day that we as Christians should be longing for and waiting for? Like, I don't want that to happen. That sounds really scary. Mm -hmm. But, um, when we think about, um, you know, um, as this text is talking about, like, and as we say in the creed that, that Christ will come to judge the living and the dead is a threat in some ways, but also it's a promise that everything that is unjust will be made just, you know, and everything that's wrong will be made right. And that's really challenging to us because we're all caught up in ways that we're, we're all caught up in ways of being in the world that aren't just, you Mm -hmm. know, and aren't loving and aren't for the dignity of every human being. So, you know, we're all on trial in this. There's no human being that's not. Um, and there's no human system or society that's not. So this promise of this this time to come when Christ will return and everything will be put um, in its right place, what Jesus is talking about here is that um, no, no wrong will be left unrighted mm-hmm. or something. Nothing will be left unconnected to God. You know, nothing will be left out of relationship with God. And that kind of goes into my point, which is point number two. The, the thing that jumped out to me that I was like wrestling with in this reading was this idea of this kind of like this person is, this person is saved and this person is left behind. This woman that is grinding meal is at the grinding mill is saved and this one is left behind. And yet Jesus tying this all together with the story of Noah, likening this idea of the, the second coming, the coming of Christ, this kind of unfolding coming as we've been talking about it with the story of Noah. Um, which as we all, most of us are very familiar with is this story of, of this great flood that happened where Noah was this righteous one amongst this kind of whole creation that had kind of devolved into something that God didn't want it to. Uh, and that there was all this wickedness and unrighteousness in the earth. And there was this one righteous guy, Noah, and he and his family are saved. And Noah has, you know, the two of every creature. And they're all in the ark. And this flood comes and sweeps everything away. And Noah is saved. And then humanity lives on through Noah. And so in in that way, it, it does make it sound like, well, there's going to be the righteous ones that get on the ark and they get saved. And then there's going to be the unrighteous and wicked ones that just get swept away by the flood and they're gone. But the thing is that that's that would be forgetting how the story ends up for from God's perspective, because because the the end of the story is God looking looking down and looking back on this destruction that God has brought about in the world and saying how could I have done that? I'm never going to do that again, you know, and and God puts a rainbow in the sky and says to Noah, this is a sign of my covenant with you and with all creation, with all of humanity, that I will never do this again. This will never happen again. And from that moment, every single moment of covenant making with God is kind of this unbounded 
belovedness that God sheds sheds on humanity and loves humanity through every single thing that humans do, everything that Israel does and everything that we have done since then. Nothing. There's not a single thing that anybody can do that can make God love them any less. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reconciling this idea. Jesus is bringing up this Noah story with this one is taken and one is left. And so I'm thinking about that then in this, this kind of whole realm of this unfolding coming of Christ, this progress that we are making towards justice and equity and equality amongst all humanity and this covenant that God has with all of humanity saying this will never happen again. I will never save some and sweep the rest away. And so I'm thinking about this, this kind of call at the beginning of Advent not so much as a threat that Matthew is making, but a call to action. A call to action where watchfulness, Jesus knows that watchfulness is the thing that's going to bring about the kingdom of heaven. Watchfulness is the thing that is going to bring about that equality and that equity and that justice. And that the threat is not so much, I think, that at the end times some will be okay and some will not, but that you don't want to be the one that's left behind while all of creation is making progress. Like, be aware of what's happening in the world. Be watchful for where Christ is moving. Be watchful for Christ in this other person. Because that Christ is coming right now, walking up to our doorstep. The Christ is the one that's in prison unjustly. The Christ is the one on the street that we don't want to look at. And as much as we remain unwatchful in those situations, we, we hinder the progress towards the coming of Christ. So to be unwatchful is to be left behind. It is an ex- it's an experience, not an outcome. How am I going to be able to clean the lens of my own perception enough to see Christ everywhere and to be able to interact and recognize Christ when Christ comes right in front of my face? Excellent. So for point number three, I want to explore the idea of keeping awake a little bit more, which is in this section, we get to hear, keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. And the piece of that that's really interesting and challenging to me is what does being awake mean, right? Is this that we are supposed to never go asleep? Are we supposed to walk around with toothpicks in our eyes? Or what? does being awake actually mean? And I think that it has more to do with paying attention. Um, I think it has a lot to do with intentionality, that it's not enough to recognize injustice in the world. We're also called to act on it. Um, We're called to not just read the Bible and understand the words, but put them into practice in our own lives. And each day we're afforded the opportunity to reflect everything that we've learned into the world around us, therefore making the world a more just and a more equitable place for everyone. So if we're using our words to share God's love, we also have to use our hands to serve others. Um, And that can be applied across many, many different areas. Perhaps it is, as David said, reflective of somebody who's in prison or as Mary Lynn said in the homeless at supper Um, but maybe also especially in this holiday season it's a family member that perhaps you're dreading interaction with and there's an opportunity to be Christ for that person 
Um, and maybe it's in something that you choose to say or a presence that you often offer to give, or maybe it's in just allowing room for that person to be fully who they are um, without your judgment creeping in on it. Um, I think there's a lot of ways for us to be Christ to each other, especially in this holiday season, which is fraught with emotion, right? Like this is a hard season for everyone. And I kept thinking when Marilyn was talking about her threefold way, I always spend so much time in Advent thinking about Mary. And maybe that's that I have my own children. And so I connect to that part of like being expectant and being patient. And patient can not just mean waiting for something to happen, but patience can be fearful, afraid of what's coming next, um, especially for Mary, but certainly for all of us as well. Mm -hmm. And how this season of Advent offers us the opportunity to reflect on everything that is to come for all of us. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's that incarnation of the baby, mm -hmm. um, but maybe it's something that's waiting to be incarnate in our lives mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. um, at the day school, something Mary Lynn and I have in common is that we both have chapel each week with children. And one of the things that we do during Advent is the first grade brings forward the crush figures each week. And we sing a hymn as three of them go and get whatever's in the back. And we have a hard and fast rule about you take whatever is there and you don't fight over the donkey or the sheep <laughs> or the shepherd. You just take one and bring it forward. Um, but we sing this really beautiful Scottish hymn as they bring them forward. And the words to it are, don't be afraid. My love is stronger. My love is stronger than your fear. And I love it because it's a reminder in Advent that Christmas isn't all bells and whistles and excitement and jubilation, but there is this element of fear and of worry that goes with it, too, about what is next. Yeah, I love that. All right, well, that is three points. Three points. Woo! <laughs> so point number one was Mary Lance. <laughs> and The best one. It was the best one. Please leave that in. Point number two was my... No, I'm just kidding. Point number one was Mary Lynn's, and it was uh, about this kind of threefold idea of Advent that we can keep in mind throughout the season of what has been, what we we're remembering, where the Christ is being revealed to us now, and where we are moving towards Christ in the future. Number two was mine, uh, and it was about this um, this dem this uh, illustration that Jesus uses of Noah, and remembering that story of Noah, and and reading it, reading this. Uh, these sayings of Jesus through the lens of that covenant that God makes with all of creation and all of humanity to never do that kind of sweeping away of the unrighteous and the saving of the righteous, but to, to be working towards reconciliation and healing and salvation for all of creation and all of humanity and how we can read this challenging, these kind of challenging texts in that, through that lens. And number three was Charlotte's, and it was about what it means to be watchful, to be awake, and how to be awake to that to our own feelings of discomfort and fear and sadness and and uh, and the challenges of this season, as well as the challenges of the unknown of our own lives, and and respond to them in the way that we have seen in in this scripture, like Mary. Mm -hmm. So, having heard that discussion. Charlotte's going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything different this time through. Matthew 24, 36 to 44. 
Jesus said to the disciples, But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. All right, get ready, everybody. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. Uh, make sure you go uh, check out all those Faith to Go resources at www.myfaithtogo.org. We also would love to hear from you with any questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion. You can contact us through the website. You can email us at faithtogo at edsd.org, or you can contact us through direct message on Instagram at faithtogo, or you can also follow us, check out our stories and other things we post you can put a little heart underneath them. <laughs> so nice of you. Also, make sure to rate and review this podcast to help other people find it. And we thank the Reverend Mary Lynn Colson for being here and sharing her wisdom with us. And we hope that she'll come back and join us again. We really do hope so. I'll think about it. Okay. That's so nice. <laughs> we hope you all have a great first week of Advent, and we look forward to uh, being with you again next Sunday. Until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye. everyone. Bye. Bye.